0: Every startup story has a little bit of romance and today's guest story is no different and it's an absolute cracker. Today we have Lottie Unwin on from the Copy Club. She's incredible. She's been on an amazing journey and she's built an amazing business which helps people understand the value of cross-pollination. That's taking ideas from other industries and bring them into your own. She gives some amazing examples of some great campaigns and some great brands, but also really practical advice about how you can build a community and build a great brand as well. It's a great show. I hope you enjoy it. Look, um, off air, we were talking about the fact that you um, heartbreak and sweat is, is, <laughs> yeah. is, is kind of what makes every startup happen. People talk about, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the pain and the, and, and, and the anguish. But you genuinely started this business, Copy Club, be, th- through sweat and heartbreak. Yeah. So, no, tell you, so um, let me set the scene, okay, for the <laughs> listeners. You are, you are deeply in love. You're having, an, it's an amazing romance. You decide, with you and your journalistic boyfriend, to move to <laughs> Delhi,
1: India. Yeah.
0: A massive change in your life. Yeah. Currently at the time, you're living in Oval, five o- minutes from my mum
1: and dad in Stockwell.
0: Oh, th- beautiful. And you decide, you know what? This isn't for me. Mm-hmm. I need to change. I'm going to move to Delhi. So you mm. move to Delhi and let's pick up the story from there.
1: Yeah. So I moved to Delhi with my partner of nine years at that point. Nine years? Yeah. So first week How old of were you? uni. So I was 20. Nine, first minute? week of
0: uni what a waste of three years <laughs> yeah What a well no 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 did you a meet waste. him at freshers week yeah we met at freshers week I, I mean i when people say they've met someone during freshers week and i think about who i met during freshers week <laughs> she knows who she is dear god i'm so glad that didn't work out no offense to you by the way if you're listening yeah, great. You're listening.
1: um well i feel slightly less regretful about my freshers week you know we had a great great time together moved to india i went we well, had gone freelance a month before just to like give myself a bit of work to what does on that the mean side. freelance doing literally freelance is a grandiose term wrote around to some people i knew and said i'm going to be out of work does anyone have anything that needs doing because i didn't want to be a sort of trailing spouse where i would be like making gin and tonics at lunchtime waiting for him to come home yeah. in our new flat in Delhi. i kind of knew i wanted a bit of a purpose so was doing all of that and, and like getting furniture and working out how to get internet installed and dealing with like the monkeys upsetting the water tank and like all of the crazy stuff that was daily life.
0: All, all the stuff that I can, I can definitely relate to. I'm just <laughs> yeah, like everyday, everyday daily things, managing yeah. like
1: monsoons yeah. and 45 degree heat um, and making new friends. And, and this freelance work was really taking off.
0: So with the freelance work, so just on that quickly, yeah. so that was freelance work as a marketer.
1: Yeah, so that was, which is central to what I do now. That was me saying, I'm a generalist marketer. I'm good at startups and I know how to get small businesses growing. And I'm good at seeing a whole load of information and working out what the few things that
0: need to be done are. And what kind of startups were you we working with? Like a range of sector, stuff or? like
1: a leadership platform, Pippa Nut, Peanut Butter. I was doing their brand strategy
0: um you did a good job
1: thank you very much it was a few years ago but yeah it's nice to see some of it come come good um it was such a mixed bag it was Mm. honestly just anyone who I'd met over the years who needed a pair of hands I was saying yes to and then it was evolving into a bit of a specialism where I kept realizing I was getting asked to do this like generalist external marketing expertise role that wasn't consulting because it was more hands-on than that and I was staying involved So that was like something that was brewing and it was building and building and building. And so that's become Brand Hackers, which is a part of what we run today, which is an outsourced marketing team, because that's really evolved. Um, The events of the community, the copy club, which I'd founded, founded or started running dinners six years, five years before that. um, The the events were still happening, even though I was on the other side of the world. And I was just like WhatsApping a member and asking them to go to Pratt to pick up the croissants on the way to the breakfast event. I wasn't turning up to any of it, and yet it was still it was still going ahead. I was still getting a really really positive feedback, and members were still recommending other members. So that was also percolating in my head. Like, I'm winning work as a consultant. The membership seems to be really working, although I'm not in the country and there's no relationship between me and it anymore. Um, And then I was beginning to do bits of recruitment work, which is now a matchmaking service. So when someone emailed me and said, "Hey, do you know?" A marketing manager for this role. Instead of saying like, "Yeah, sure," and then using my imagination, I would reply and say, "Absolutely, but I'm going to charge you five hundred pounds if I find someone." And they said yes, and so I was beginning to generate a tiny little income through through that matchmaking, through connecting people.
0: we you say that, I mean it's like you know, running a business of a whole business off of five hundred quid, you know, um, every week or so isn't a very good business. But if you're on your own. And you're getting 500 quid and you're living in Delhi. I imagine that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Well,
1: it's all about context, right? You know, I'd I'd been running Copy Club with no intention of it becoming a business. I was doing it absolutely for the love of it while I was in London. I was meeting amazing people. It was making me really good at my job. I'd never seen it as a potential business opportunity. It was only when I stepped away. I had my back up against the wall a little bit financially because I was making nothing. I had no job. And I was really beginning to see how if I had a day a week to contribute to Copy Club, I could make it so much better. If I had two days a week to contribute to Copy Club, I could make it so much better. So I was beginning to think about how it could make money as an experiment.
0: Yeah, sure. How? Just going back a little bit. How did Copy Club? This is obviously in this this story of drama. in um and and it's it's a great movie. In the um in the story, let's go let's go back in time a little bit and let's yeah. talk about when coffee coffee club coffee club was first born yeah what did you like how did that come about what were you struggling with that you decided i want help from other people yeah. or want to help other people
1: um oh i was at procter and gamble doing corporate marketing absolutely loved it but was sick to death of the bureaucracy quit to go and be head of marketing at proper proper as in proper corn Selling popcorn, head of marketing, huge inverted commas, like a grandiose job title because they had to pay me a little bit more than the other people in the team. And so they kind of inflated my status. Like the old
0: CEO of a startup. Exactly. yeah, One of those jobs. Yeah,
1: And I was 24, managing a few people and just completely out of my depth. I sure I knew how to brief a media agency to spend 15 million on a Dolce & Gabbana TV ad, but I had no idea how to sell popcorn or how to actually do what I think is now fundamental to startup marketing, which is like, to get your head into what's going to like what will change to to grow this business, to move the needle. So I was really lonely and being crap at my job made me really miserable. Feeling like there was no one I could talk to made me feel really helpless. And so I started like aggressively networking. I always talk about it as aggressive networking because it really was like, if I go at something, I go at it hard. And it was like militant, like spreadsheets of like who are all the people I know who is a head of brand or a head of marketing who I could possibly talk to just to get some advice on to how you're meant to do all of this stuff. Um, because I couldn't go to my founder and say like, hands up, I've got no idea what I'm doing because my job was to have the answers. So I had to find somewhere else to go. Um, and every one of those coffees was a total joy. And everyone I met, Seem to love meeting me. So, you know, I'd, I'd stand up and go, let me get this. I'm so sorry for taking your time. Like, thank you so, so, so much for meeting me. And they were like, what are you talking about? This has been like really interesting. And I've really learned something too. Was like, huh. And then week after week, I'd have the same interaction where someone would follow up and want to meet again. And I was thinking, like, this is kind of weird. And I kept thinking, someone's going to tell me that on a Thursday night, there's like a pub in Soho that everyone goes to. And I'm just waiting for the tip off. Just felt like, surely there's a there's a thing here that I can tap into. And then no one invited me. And I thought, maybe there isn't anything. Maybe like, maybe I'm not, I'm not waiting for this golden ticket. So I booked a table at a restaurant, invited 12 people who I'd met through this like aggressive networking campaign. And just said like, let's all go out for dinner. Cause I think you guys might all really like each other. Which was the first ever coffee club event. The dinner was lovely. We didn't talk about work at all. We all drank a bit too much. We all talked about our personal lives. I remember, like at the bar afterwards, someone confiding that he was proposing to his girlfriend that weekend, and he was terrified. We, like, oh, all yeah. had a really nice chat around it. She said yes. They're still happily married. And delightful, God. delightful story. There's always a bit of romance in a good tale. They're really happy. Um, he now doesn't work in marketing anymore, so maybe my dinner put him off. Yeah, well, went into sales. Maybe so that was no, that, that was, is that is the better it. side of marketing for those yeah. listening. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, Joe noted. We'll debate that later. Um, and that was the first event, and the day after. Of the week after or whatever i sat with a friend who'd been at that dinner and he said well what are you going to call it and i said Cop- you know copy club which copy because i want people to borrow ideas from each other and i want a space where we can steal with pride club because i want you to feel part of something that was as much thought as i got from the name it was decided over a beer many many moons ago um, and now i have to explain on a daily basis that we're not just for copywriters and live with the <laughs> inordinate regret that i went with a stupid name
0: i thought that you were just copywriters
1: as does everyone in the whole world. And I don't blame them because it's a terrible branding job on ourselves.
0: I like the name. I think it's cool. Now you've explained it, I like it a lot. Well, I don't know. If anyone wants to
1: dive into my DMs and have a long discussion about whether we should have a new name or not, it's all that's in my head at the moment.
0: Are you thinking about rebranding? Possibly. Oh, wow.
1: If I have to do the We're Not Just for copywriters chat one more time, I may hit my head against a brick wall. So I'm just
0: i get it yeah dealing
1: with my <laughs> we were um, <laughs> my in, own frustration it is hard
0: for a long time we uh, at the very beginning we were called lad bet my business right. which i'll be honest with you isn't a great business name and i'm so glad that i was convinced otherwise <laughs> 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 otherwise i would be ceo of lad bet which is i thought was great but then
1: um... well i'm ceo of a network for copywriters that yeah, is no, very I'm... small and inclusive and actually we're a very open democratic community <laughs> of all people in marketing Whew deep breath and also and
0: also we're not just for lads and we don't and we don't do betting so it's a very it's a very complicated thing to do but it all it happens hey guys i hope you're enjoying the conversation that we're having here today pretty cool isn't it but i really quickly want to tell you about a show that i really really like called secret leaders they have amazing content on there and some really great advice for founders so you're about to hear from the host right now so listen up If you're an entrepreneur in the UK and want to hear some powerful lessons from founders of companies like Deliveroo, Joe Malone, and Monzo, then check out the Secret Leaders podcast. Each week, I have a raw conversation with someone who's changed an industry like fertility, esports, raving, and crypto, so you can build a better business. Want to learn how to bootstrap? Create a magnetic brand? Get your first customer? Or even fire your mum? Yep, that really happened to one of our guests. Search Secret Leaders in your podcast app. See you there. So let's go fast forward. We're back in. We're back in Delhi. We're four years ago from now. <coughs> yeah, four years ago from now. Four years we're ago in Delhi. from now. There's the monsoon. There's the <laughs> yes. there's the monkey. There's no Wi-Fi. You're like you, yeah. I'm earning. I'm earning some good money. Yeah, things are kicking off back home, but not everything's right.
1: Yeah, beautifully summarized. So, yeah, I just decided that
0: you should do CrossFit.
1: Well, I decided that my relationship wasn't going the way I wanted it to go didn't really know how to articulate that in my head but was just feeling all kinds of feelings um we've all had been. we've all been there exactly had basically set up a business built a home in a new country found a whole load of mates proven to myself that I could do things I never thought was possible and then was beginning to go well, what else is possible did a bit of functional training in the UK started going to CrossFit in Delhi and it just became a total lifeline for me um in the way that community really can do. I guess actually what it really proved to me was the power of community. And I still think the church and Crossfit are the best examples we have of community building that I use as references with my team all the time. And I turned up to a place every day where there was rules and there was structure and there were a load of people that were there to support me and there was a space where I could be whoever I wanted to be. And I'm disproportionately strong for my size. Which means I mean you I'm... look
0: strong. Yeah, I mean I'm, I'm I mean looking... I'm not as strong as I'm, I was. I'm feeling a little bit outgunned <laughs> here, I'll be honest. Yeah. No, I think
1: I think now I'm just a bit fat, but back in the day, um, yeah, I was pretty solid. And so I got really, really into it. And it's interesting you say. It but was just fantastic. I
0: get that. Look, you know, um, apart from the fact that everyone who does CrossFit's a dickhead, I think it's actually a really good thing. I joke. am injured. And, I'm in, and injured at all times. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, they can only do it for like two years because then your body's ruined. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, yeah. The um, no, I think I think it's really great. The um, but there's something about it which you mentioned about community, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this because I thought about this before. And you mentioned the church, and um I'm an actual Christian, so I'm well into both these subjects. If you, there's something about community that. First of all, there has to be sort of a, a welcoming element to join a community. You can't have a community unless new people are coming in. Yeah. People forget. If you make a community which is closed, yeah. it, you can't grow it. And people forget that. Like that's, yeah. you know, that's what people, when people, you put it
1: like that, it seems so desperately obvious, but you are right.
0: But people don't do it. Yeah, yeah They try to make it. But what they do is when you get in there, there's, there's things that um, I think are so important. So first of all, there has to be, that mutual, there has to be a reward for being in there. Okay. And you have to, and yep. that reward has to be greater if there's more of you. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's something about going to a CrossFit class when everyone's doing that together that it just feels great and you're lifting each other up. And same again when you go to church, like it's not as much fun when there's six people there as opposed to if you go to a Hillsong and there's 100 people there are all having a great time. Yeah. And that's the truth. But if you go to, there's something about those communities, which I think is really powerful. And I don't know if I just want to get your view on this. And there's something about having your own language. So if you go to CrossFit, you yeah. turn up and you're like, "Who the fuck is Fran? What <laughs> yeah. the fuck is a wad? Yeah. yeah, like what are you talking about? emom Who are you? Yeah. And you get the same again when you, you go to church and they're saying all these weird words and they're doing all these weird dances where they stand up, they kneel down, and they're doing these chants. It's, it's, it's weird, right? Okay. And same again, you join like esports communities and you're like, "What the fuck does? What's leet speak? What are these things that people are saying to me or GM?" And I think there's something about that once you get into that community, you have to create a way that you feel included. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think language is a really powerful way to do that. I don't really have a question there. I'm just sort of pontificating. Well, you're
1: right. And there's a lot of, there's not actually as much literature about community as as I think there should be, because I think it's such an important topic that gets so much airtime and is so misused, especially at the moment. But yeah, you have rituals. You have an initiation process that makes someone feel that they've they've stepped a line from being outside of something to inside something, and that's a really important part of community building. And you have a tonality within that space that is defined. And so for us, that's all about informality, about um, a professional space that's much more akin in language to like the way you talk about your mate, like with your mates. Like we use WhatsApp a lot, very intentionally, because by like stepping outside of a work personal boundary, we can create a really different relationship with our members. We use language that's like, unprof- like unprofessional all the time, very intentionally, because we want someone to feel uniquely safe and open when they're in our world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think a lot. It's been a, for me, it's been a combination of things that I've done instinctively to create a space that was safe for me. Yeah. Because fundamentally, that's what I was building in the early stages. I was just building somewhere that did what I needed. And then as I've read more around it, thought kind of more theoretically about this stuff and then tried to codify how can I build something that we can scale? And how do I explain to a team like how I want this to come about and how I want to replicate this in different touch points? Yeah, it's like very intentional. We think about it a lot.
0: I love that. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. And so what's interesting here is I think it's great and what's something I want you to come on the show to talk about is this... um, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, we'll come back to the story because the listeners want to know what happens. <laughs> the, um, you, you talk a lot about, I, I call it cross-pollination, but like that piece of like taking wisdom from other areas and other industries to come and improve your own. Yeah. Talk to me a bit about why that's so important, particularly as a startup. Like why is it so important and what is the benefits of looking at other industries to try and improve your own marketing?
1: I think the easiest way to explain it is to think about the opposite like imagine a world where we all sit in silos and the travel business people go out for dinner and talk about travel business marketing and the fizzy drinks people go and talk about fizzy drinks marketing the result of that kind of cross-pollination is going to be incredibly boring and incredibly identical. the way that like conversely we do something interesting and we innovate is not by like sitting in an echo chamber thinking of ideas on our own we all know that innovation is just borrowing and reapplying an idea. And that's how you do it. You see something really interesting done by someone in a sector that has no correlation to what you're doing. And you lift that idea really proudly. And I think what's really important is that you say thank you. And you tell the person that you're inspired by that you're inspired, like you credit good work when it's due and you reapply it in your own context. And, you know, proper corn I think really helped me help me see this. So they made popcorn fashionable. Their whole ethos was about popcorn being an accessory, and they sponsored London Fashion Week because having popcorn on the catwalk, treating it as though it was um, a designer handbag, made them do something really different in a category that was just full of walkers and shiny packaging. Um, and I found that really inspiring the way that they were borrowing very intentionally from parts of the world that was just so far away from from where they were
0: i love that i think it's great and i think we see it all the time i think when you see like we've we've got um uh the former head of product of um monzo coming on right and what's great about monzo it doesn't look like a fucking bank yeah, yeah. It, does, it doesn't sound like a bank. It doesn't talk like a bank and so i have a different relationship with it we would talk about marketing and cross-pollination mm. and copying people yeah there is or often there is a bandwagon that will happen in marketing and people start to, to follow it. Yeah. The classic at the moment is Thursday <laughs> yes. with the, the cardboard and the, you know, I cheated on my girlfriend or whatever it yeah. was before it was Thursday, whatever it was then. Um, is that, when that happens, is that overdone? Is it good to follow those trends? Is it, is it a smart thing to do? It's my first question. Second mm. of all, what are your thoughts on offline marketing?
1: Thursday's made every startup marketer the world over like panic. We're all looking at what they're doing and we're thinking like, "Holy fuck, that's so clever!" Use my language. That's so clever, and we're so inadequate because we're not going viral with our founder in a billboard in Trafalgar Square. I think the really important thing there is one. That's the old tactics that Bumble used five years ago. Like to the point on copying, none of this is new. They're not the first to have done any of these things. They're just doing it right now in a particularly effective way. The second thing is it's a really brilliant approach to make it look like an intern has come up with this stuff. And that is a brilliant comms positioning strategy. But let's be really clear. There's a shit hot media agency behind that doing a lot of work. This isn't just, you know, I keep getting brief, like, can you just hire me some like Thursday interns? And I'm like, n- like, uh, n- no. And do you have an hour for me to explain to you like how misguided that is and how like kind of ridiculously wishful um, and unrealistic so like my message to everyone is like it's okay we don't need to feel bad about ourselves that we're not delivering what Thursday are delivering like in theory with those little resources because that's just smoke and mirrors that's not what's going on there in terms of jumping on the bandwagon yeah I think absolutely pile on in like why not ride on the coattails of someone else's media spend and someone else's expensive work startup marketing fundamentally is about pulling rabbits out of hats that you have to make the impossible happen with no resources that's the game we're playing day in day out is how do we do something that's theoretically impossible and so i think leaning on someone else's budget is a is a great hack um so i think again copy with pride throw yourself in i see no concerns in doing that i think there's a lot we can learn from them in terms of like gritty real life feeling in content that is cheap to produce it might not be cheap to come up with the ideas like the copywriting the strategy behind that is really clever but but it is shot on an iPhone. There is no content creation budget. And it does take two hours once you've got the idea to pull off, which I think is great. I can talk all day about how LinkedIn is the most underestimated platform for B2C brands. The algorithm is an absolute dream. Anyone that's not taking it seriously, I think, is really missing a trick. The same for TikTok. Agreed. So, yes, I think there's a lot you can borrow from them. But don't be intimidated by it because... It's not making any of us feel very good and it. It shouldn't be having that impact.
0: Like, I think also okay. I think there's a question about what counts as effectiveness. Like is brand awareness, yes. brand conversion? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I think their downloads are picking up, but they're also doing an awful lot of high reach and frequency tube ads and out yeah. of home and like that, that base layer is there too. So it's not as though they're going viral on LinkedIn with a cardboard cutout and that's what's driving their downloads. Like that's spiking a huge, huge, expensive, always on, highly VC-backed media plan. Um, And I think it's really easy to forget that all of that's going on and that's what's making those spikes so effective. Correct, yeah. Offline, I don't think offline and online, like what is offline now when other than tube, print and the odd leaflet, everything is digital to some extent so i think like the worlds of offline and online are sort of a bit of a mess um i think offline i think offline and online are all just about getting consistent eyeballs it's just about the number of times you're sending you're sharing someone the same consistent message and so if out of home is your channel of choice to do that or high frequency instagram ads is your channel of choice to do that i think either like either works they play different roles um i think offline in isolation is a real bugbear of mine so like i'm going to do a pop-up shop and my brand's going to be famous like it's fundamentally not the number of people that are going to walk past that shop are incredibly low think about that as like a cost per individual like do the maths on it and i just don't see how those things stack up and so the same with like should i go and do a stunt in trafalgar square is that going to make my brand famous like absolutely not unless you've got that like Always on fundamental um, awareness plan that's going to get people seeing your logo over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's smart. So um, you are an authority in this. I'm going to give you that that title. You are the authority. Thank you kindly. You run, I'll take it. Yeah. Um. What are what is what is an amazing startup campaign that you have seen? What's an amazing startup campaign? And tell me why it was amazing. Because like the. If you are going to do something as a startup, you just have to stand up more than everyone else. You have to be amazing. Yeah, for it to actually be good. Um, I don't like the first day one. I'm putting it out there. Um, but w- what is an example of another business that you think has done an amazing job? You cannot say proper corn, okay?
1: And I'm not allowed to talk about any of my brands.
0: You can because I don't know who they are.
1: Right. Um, I will give you two very quickly. One uh, one is Little Moons, which is not one of my brands. Little Moons have sold out all across UK grocery Uh, Because of a TikTok campaign they did, they make mochi ball ice creams, um, a a kind of theoretically niche, strange product. So niche. TikTok went mental. Uh, They leveraged the platform early. They went all in. They used all of the like learnings around experimenting, around not being too precious. And literally people stampeded stores to buy mochi balls it has transformed their business. And I think that's an epic example of what marketing for a startup really should do, which is move the needle. Like we're not in a position to build brand. We build brand as we drive sales. Mm. There's not the luxury of like equity building, kind of lovely long-term activation when you've, you've frankly got to like get out the door. Um, so that I think is phenomenal. And then for a similar reason, a campaign I'm really proud of, is some of the work we did with Dr. Will's. So Dr. Will's make healthier condiments. So ketchup sweetened with dates, not with sugar. Heinz has 17 sugar cubes in any bottle, uh, which is a pretty terrifying stat. We use two dates instead. So significantly different product, tastes delicious. And we ran a campaign that we called Save Our Sauce, uh, probably this time last year, where we, for the first time to my knowledge, simply went to our customers and asked them to go to Tesco's to buy our product. We sat around for hours talking about creative ideas to drive sales in Tesco's until we decided that the creative idea would be that we just asked them and we would tell them why it mattered and we tell them why the business was important to us as individuals. So as a marketing team, as founders, as investors, as the doctor, Dr. Will behind it. We took to LinkedIn, we took to our newsletter, we took to Instagram and we were raw and honest about the challenge we faced, which was that we had to sell a certain number of units in a certain period of time. Um, And the cut through was phenomenal because we were being very straightforward being very authentic. Um, And I'm really proud of that. I think it was a bold decision to not wrap it up into something more complicated Um, I'm really proud of the founders for being so on board with it, you know, for, for like really getting their iPhones out and telling the camera why this mattered to them. Um, and I'm really proud that our customers were behind us. I think it's a phenomenal testament to, to what building a brand slowly means you have the permission to do. Yeah. We could then convert that into something really meaningful and, um, yeah, like hit our sales targets and you know, that then gives you the permission to, like gives you then the platform to move on to what's to come.
0: I'm also proud of you. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. Great lovely. job. Great We're, job.
1: Really lovely campaign. No, it's good. Like, I like that. Nice to do things differently.
0: So one thing you said there, getting into a platform early yeah, makes a huge difference. Yeah. So, and you can't always do that okay no. you don't you don't know something's gonna be a hit or not so you might waste time I and mean, yeah one. and
1: like thank god we didn't pile into clubhouse like if you yeah. think about all of the weight
0: like, oh, no. dan it's, it's so easy himself <laughs> yeah, he was exactly. just like he was so into it um <laughs> and um but love you dan the um but the oh, he doesn't listen to this he he's a partnership for this episode yeah i mean like he he's he's not listening he's not listening but if you are listening dan dan you're a great man <laughs> um the clubhouse was a really good idea yeah i also like radio the um um it was awful just like listening to people introduce themselves for 45 minutes i was like this is the most boring thing of all time anyway enough of that but my 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 question was um about investing in something over time okay mm. knowing they might big um do i think that investing in content no matter what it is just continually putting content out there because it builds a foundation and then over time you will always regret not doing it earlier mm. do I have the right attitude <laughs> should you just be creating content as a brand even though it might not be something that hits but just constantly experimenting and eventually it might hit
1: I, yes but yeah. as someone that doesn't do that so I think we've not, we've you're, not an, you're
0: a full a, on LinkedIn influencer
1: I am but Copy Club is not like Copy Club right. should be a content machine we have talks every week. We have like incredibly rich material from our Slack group, which is like this hub of activity. We know what people in marketing are talking about by the minute because they're talking about it in front of us. And yet we're not turning that into content. So there's a huge opportunity for us as a community to be, to be using that as a way of showing the value we can add. And like fundamentally, the reason I want to grow the community is that the community is so much richer for everyone in it when it's bigger and more diverse so i think you're doing it right and i'm doing it wrong
0: you're welcome i agree
1: <laughs> however there is a reason that i'm not doing it it's oh, not gosh. a kind of which is which is simply that i can't afford it it's not um it's not for like it's not as though i yesterday had this realization that content would have been a really good thing i've, ha- I've had to make tough choices all the way along which is you know part of bootstrapping a business is that there's, there's a huge amount that you would love to do. There's a lot you would love to do better that you have you have to be choiceful in how you do it. So I think you are getting it right. And I think if you possibly can do the same thing, content makes a huge difference. But I think there's a there's a real scale. So to your point, you know, you'll say to me, you're doing loads of content. I'm just doing the free stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. If it's free and I can do it myself and it doesn't put more pressure on my team, I'm all over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, our podcast is recorded like, on my laptop at my kitchen table because we're choosing not to invest and put the team into more instability in order to do something higher spec. So we're making decisions all the time um, to trade off on that. But I think if you're going to, if you're gonna plug away at something, I think content makes a huge amount of sense. And I also think there's something in choosing the thing you're gonna plug away at and whatever it is, just keep like, just keep doing it. Know what that metric is. That's gonna mean that at that point you stop Like don't go blindly into the abyss. But like for me, it was LinkedIn. I just decided two years ago that that was the thing I was just going to do. Like irrespective of what happened, I was going to do. I wasn't going to get distracted by the next shiny platform. I wasn't going to like pivot or like lose my nerve with it. I was just going to make it really habitual. And if you've said content is the thing that we're going to make really habitual, we're just going to keep doing that. And you're not seeing that it's not working. I think you're doing the right thing to just like keep being really consistent with one thing. Versus any other startup marketing plan, which is to do 20 things with no resource and then you do all of them badly. I mean, you've got um, the right plan according to my wisdom.
0: Oh, I, I think it's great. I know, I think if you guys aren't connected with, or following uh, uh, Lottie on LinkedIn, you should do. It's very good. I do always <laughs> ask the question how many selfies did she have to take to get that one? Because the
1: well the answer is always one <laughs> they're hated-
0: authentic they're straight up just that's, yeah, because i
1: wasn't terrible
0: <laughs> I, I, how dare you, you it's do uh not. it's it's raw <laughs> i i love him i i genuinely i really i do i do really like you i think it's one of the i'm not saying this because you're on the show i think it's one of the best um linkedin um profiles that i follow because you get so many that you're just like shut the fuck up this is so boring it's so about you like, I do really enjoy it. I think it's very good. And well, it's um, a
1: living experiment. So if you ever think shut the fuck up, you just have to tell me. Oh, no. Oh, so yes, long fine. as someone control me it's and fine. say, I've had enough now.
0: <laughs> no, no, I think, I think it's very good. We flip back to when you um, you were there in Delhi, you decided that you wanted to, then, what was it that made you realize that you could turn Copy Club into a business? What was that pivotal moment that made you realize this is no longer a side hustle? This is no longer a hobby. This is going to be my hustle. This is something I can turn something real. Uh,
1: one, I got paid for my first recruitment gig. I got five hundred pounds in the bank, and I was like, "Ha!" And then I sent the next email and said, "It's actually seven fifty if I place the right person." And they said yes, and I begun to realize that that was a revenue stream. That was number one. The second, so it was a series of light bulbs that kind of got brighter and brighter. The second thing was when I took a job as marketing director of India's largest wine brand. So 50% of my time, I was running a team of uh, a big, big, big marketing team selling Indian wine for an Indian family-run business, having an absolutely terrible time in a corporate environment, uh, finding the bureaucracy of stakeholder management unbearable, thinking I've literally got the corporate senior job and the startup next to each other. I'm doing the two things at once. And it is so obvious (laughs) what I want to be doing, (laughs) like so, so, so obvious. And then I got fired from the wine job because I um, kicked off because there was a situation that I thought was unethical and I stormed out of the office. And as I was in the lift, I was like fresh out of a breakup and I think I've just got myself sacked and so I've got to get this business to work because my back's really up against a corner here. And so that was a really big like moment. And then the kind of the third brightest bulb was when I hired Hope, who was the first person that worked with me, that was just a kind of assistant role. And when the two of us were at my kitchen table in Delhi, beginning to talk about how we could make this into a thing, um, I just felt this like sense of connection and like began to see how, like the synergy of, of how much bigger something can be when there's two brains on it than one. And that was the moment where I began to think I'm actually really committed to growing a team. And I'm really motivated by the idea of running a business, which was a new thing for me. I decided I really wanted to run a business because I believed I could do it well. And I believed I could do a good thing for the people who are part of it. So today I'm really motivated by like the act of looking after the people in my team as I am by the business itself.
0: I love that. I love that. Um, You actually have a really good episode with uh, Joe Binder on how to give feedback good episode yes i do you do yeah yes it in
1: my archives yeah, yeah, no, people, <laughs> the other times i've waffled yeah, no, people, <laughs> on <the> people, internet. <laughs> people should listen
0: to that okay two questions quick fire yeah I'm um ready. you are a successful founder absolutely and bootstrapped which is even more impressive what is your one hack um that you would give to every founder
1: oh just look after yourself like my god i fucked it up like this year i'm okay last year it was an absolute roller coaster personally and i think like put your own oxygen mask on first is so real and i really wish that i'd learned that i don't think i can could have done but i've had a rough ride not recognizing the importance of my sanity and me being able to make decisions and um, so i think self-care not, not in a cliched way, not in like a naff LinkedIn way, but in like a, you're going to become a human puddle if you don't do it. So take it seriously. In a threatening way. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the aggression
0: there. Yeah. Um, and lastly, what is the one thing about the startup world that you fucking hate? We call it the startup sin bin. What would you put? Just get rid of
1: Oh, I hate like humble... Uh founders that when you say, like, what are you up to? Really underplay what they do in a like, oh yeah, I just like run a little events business. And then you ask them 10 questions and you go away and Google them and you realise they're huge. Like own your success. Like there's the other side of it, which is like, please don't shout from the rooftops, but actually I see less of that. I see a lot more like sheepish arrogance. And I think I think it's really like it's meant to be approachable, but I actually think it's really intimidating. I think it's really misguided. And I think there are a lot of like, I don't know whether it's a gender thing, but a lot of in my experience, a lot of like early stage female founders who are like trying to find their way and trying to manage imposter syndrome and like find their sense of identity in this and actually to have people say, I run a massive events company, I'm really proud of it. It's been a really tough journey, but my God has changed my life and it's the best thing I've ever done. That that's like something I can hold on to as opposed to like glass doors.
0: I agree with you. I don't understand. I always think the modesty is just a way of lying. Like if someone says, "Oh yeah, it's not very big. It's not big," Shut up! Like you're making me feel inadequate because you've got a hundred people, I've got thirty four, and I yeah. want to brag about that. Does that mean yeah, exactly. that my business is shit? Is that would have me. If mean? you
1: say yours is like, very big, what am I meant to say? Like, well, mine's absolutely yeah, teeny, yeah, tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm I'm a complete waste of space. And then like, oh, <laughs> I'm so proud. You should be so proud of what you've done. Fuck off! Like it's, yeah. I totally agree with you. You've been great. Genuinely, thank you so much for coming Pleasure. on the show. Um, some really great insight there. I did work out with a guy. didn't. We all know. I'm so sorry. No. Um, but it's been a good story. And um, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Absolute pleasure.